Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Sabrina, that's what your daddy always used to say, or says, yes, yes, yes. That's what we're doing. We're standing. Praise God. We'll give them a moment to get off the platform, and we're going to pray here in a second. So you may be seated and ask you to open your Bibles to John chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 48 uh, through 41. We're in a series called Jesus Is. We want our focus of attention to be on Him. Looking away from everything that would distract us unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. That's another sermon right there. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. This morning, we're going to talk about Jesus is the living bread. So, Father, we thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for such a tremendous sense of presence here today. We ask for utterance to be given, Lord God, the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened, our hearts to be strengthened with might. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. In John 6, 48 through 51, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. Which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live how long? Forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now understand that when Jesus is speaking that way, he's speaking of spirit. He said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And then, of course, in Vif 51, just to reiterate, Jesus said, I am the living bread. And then in verse 58, he says, This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall do what? So there's life in this bread. Jesus is the living bread. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Amen? There's healing in this living bread. For he sent his word and healed us and delivered us from our destruction. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. I love it, don't you? So there's also long life in this living bread. Long life. It's the will of God for us to live long and to live strong and to find and to finish what God has called us to do. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. God's got a best for you. And every one of you are extremely important in his sight. For you are his workmanship. You are his handiwork. And he went to great lengths to purchase you with his own blood. And he's placed on the inside of each and every one of us special gifts and special qualities to be used for the glory of God. With long life will I satisfy him. And I will show him my salvation There was a lady that was one of our mothers of our church. How many of you remember Mother Pauline? Well, I had the privilege of doing Mother Pauline's service along with others. And I believe that she was 102 when she passed away. If there was a person that ever loved life, it was Pauline. If there was a person that was ever faithful, it was Pauline. I mean, at 100 years old, she was out in the aisles dancing in the Holy Ghost. And then she would call a prayer request. She says, oh, pastor, pray for me. My old trick knee went on me when I was dancing. 
Amen. How many of you know God can restore a trick knee? Mother Pauline savored life. She loved life with all of her being. The Lord wants you to love life. The Lord wants you to enjoy life. He doesn't want us to be all bummed out and saddened by the circumstances that are going on around us. He wants us to rejoice in Him always. And again, I say rejoice. So I was looking at the program for Pauline's uh, service, which took place here at the church. And she had a recipe for longevity. Sweet Pauline. Maybe you've never seen her before, but this is a picture of Pauline right here. A sweet, sweet, sweet lady. And she's helping me preach today. Now listen to That's right. But listen to this recipe for longevity. Eat the right food, plenty of vegetables, and not a lot of meat. Get plenty of rest. No drinking, no cursing, no fast living, no smoking, and no dipping of any kind. Get plenty of exercise. And by the way, she exercised right up until about the time she went on to be with the Lord. She, was in a, she used to go to the gym. I mean, at over 90 years old. Wow. And she went on to say, treat people as you desire to be treated and make sure you treat yourself good. Wear enough clothes and underwear. Good advice. Only one husband, that's enough. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> Got Amen Alley going over here. Read your Bible daily and do what it says. Jesus is the living bread try to help other people and she said this a good lemon pound cake and a few bigger rolls won't hurt you and she would and I know this is a treasure of ours so you want to keep this so I don't lose it but oh she would make that pound cake she enjoyed life how do you remember mother Pauline oh such a blessing but my point is is if she can live 102 by doing the things she just said, we can live long. We can live strong. There's long life in this living bread. There's enjoyment in this living bread. How many of you enjoy natural bread? You know, perhaps your, your favorite bread is sourdough. Maybe you love whole wheat. I like Ezekiel 37 bread. I love that. I like pita bread. I like tortillas. I like all kinds of bread. And bread's good for you. Bread is real convenient, you know. You can get it at grocery stores. You can get it at 7-Eleven. You can go just about anywhere and buy some bread. It's so convenient. And so is the Word of God. It's so convenient in this day and age. You can listen to it. You can watch it. You can sing it. You can MB3 it. You can iPod it. You can iPad it. I mean, the list is endless of how you can get this living bread on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. And it is so versatile, it's just amazing. You can toast it, you can butter it, you can put peanut butter on it, you can put bologna on it. You can do all sorts of things with bread. You can even dip it in your clam chowder. Can I get a witness up in here? Amen. Glory to God. It's versatile. It's wonderful. It's tremendous. 
Likewise, the word of the Lord, the living bread is so versatile. It's so readily available to us. You can take it everywhere you go. You can get a little Gideon Bible and put it in your pocket. You can have it on your iPad, your iPod, whatever. Just make sure that the living bread is easily accessible to you. More accessible to you than the entertainment of this age. More accessible to you than the distractions of this age. More accessible to you than the very air you breathe. Jesus is the living bread. Woo! In Matthew 4... In verse 4, and in the Amplified Version, it says this, But he reported, but he replied, It has been written, My man shall not live and be upheld. Now notice this with me. Upheld and sustained by natural bread. But man shall be upheld and, upst- and, and sustained by Jesus, the living bread. But by every Word that comes forth from the mouth of God. I prophesy to you today, live, be sustained, be upheld by the word of his power. The word of God will lift you. The word of God will help you. The word of God will cause you to triumph in every situation that you may face in life. So we need then to consistently feed on this Living bread. Turn with me to the book of Job, verse 23 and verse 12. You know, Job chapter 23 and verse 12. Thank you. In the Amplified Version. But listen very carefully. I believe that every time we open the Bible, we ought to think or we ought to say, I'm now feeding my spirit. I'm now about to have a good meal. I can remember we had the privilege of uh, fellowshipping with Brother Hagen for many years when he was alive. And I remember one time he was in the Bay Area for about a two-week period of time. He came to do our 10-year anniversary. He did a little minister's conference. Then he ministered on the 4th of July over for the Full Gospel Businessmen over in San Francisco. And I can remember taking him to different places, to Monterey and different aspects. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying we had a great relationship with him. But I remember going back to his hotel suite. He excused himself and took his Bible. It was time to feed his spirit. It was time to read the word. You know, I love being around people. Ricky and Sally and Brenda and I, uh, Brenda's brother, were uh, on occasion down in Monterey. We were looking around. We had great food. It was really wonderful and great. But when I got back into my car, I said, man, I need some word. I need the presence of God. I need me some word. How many of you have this attitude? Jesus, give me the word. I need the word in the morning. I need the word at noontime. I need the word all day long. Amen. So don't allow your spirit to be weakened by not feeding your spirit. You know, we're masters. It's feeding our bodies three really good meals a day. And some of us, mucho, mucho more. But I don't know if it was Bosworth or Wigglesworth that said that we were real good at feeding our spirits, our bodies, three good meals a day, but our spirits, one cold snack a week. No, we shouldn't be living on Sunday's messages. Now, you're getting more than a cold snack. Can I please get an amen? You're getting a word. You're getting a good word. You're getting a rhema word. But if this is all we get all week long, uh-uh. no. Jesus said that we should pray, give me this day 
By what? Give me this day my daily bread. There is daily bread that is available to us. There is a daily word that God wants to speak into your heart. It is amazing. Oftentimes in the morning, I'll open my Bible to the specific date it is. Like today is September 17th, right? So I'll look over at Proverbs chapter 17. And I will read Proverbs chapter 17. And it is amazing what God speaks to me as I just feed on His Word. I'm feeding my spirit, but I'm also opening up the door to the Holy Spirit to speak to me about what I'm reading. And I know that's the same thing with you. But we must not neglect daily word. Daily word. Amen? You know, Rick uh, Renner is a great pastor, and he pastors in the, in the city of Moscow. And he has a mega church. I think it's real close to Red Square, where thousands and thousands of Russians come to worship the Master on Sunday and different days of the week. I am told that they have to drive at least two and a half hours to get to church. I don't know if you've ever been to, to Europe, but European traffic can be a nightmare. And one of the worst cities in the world for traffic is Moscow. But these folks come and they come ready. And they come expecting. And their attitude is, Lord, give me the word. I need a rhema word for me today. Amen? Amen. How many of you have drove over two and a half hours to church today? (laughs) Nobody? Joe did? did? Praise the Lord. Amen. But Rick uh, Rick Renner, the Spirit of the Lord, spoke to him. And he said, Rick, he says, no word, no breakfast. No word, no breakfast. You know, many people wait to the end of the day to read their chapter. Or maybe even the end of the week. If you, read, if you wait till the end of the day to read your chapter, you'll be out like a light. Somebody says, how do you know that? I've learned that by experience. No, there's something about daily manna. Something about daily manna. How many of you remember the children of Israel ate manna from heaven? They absolutely did. And I want to take a look at something here, if I can find it here. In uh, Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. Say it with me. Jesus Jesus is is my living bread. bread. He is my manna from heaven. So we're going to see a, a picture of this. When Israel was in the wilderness after coming out of Egypt, God rained manna down on them every day. And notice his instructions in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4 and verse 5. Ready, read. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will raid bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. Now stop right there. Of course, They tried to hoard it up, and they tried to gather it for future days. But guess what happened? The manna rotted. Okay? He was testing their obedience there, and they failed the test. Here's what God's plan was. Notice with me in verse 5. In verse 5, ready, read. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Now, why would God do that? Number one, he was testing their obedience. But number two, how many of you know that Saturday is the Sabbath? 
And on the Sabbath, they were just to stay in their homes. They were to read the Torah. They were to be with family. And they were not allowed to do certain things. So he said, gather up for Friday and also for Saturday. And of course, on Sunday, you'll go back to your regular schedule. So the rest of the time, God said, don't you store it. Don't store it. Now, what was God doing? He was making a point that he didn't want Israel to store up spiritual food and then try to live off it for days, weeks, and months. Listen very carefully. He wanted them and us eating a fresh meal of God's Word daily. When we purpose to do that in our heart, what will happen? We will be well fed and we will grow up spiritually as we feed on this manna from heaven. Somebody shout out to me, thank God for manna from heaven for my soul. Glory to God. Now, in Job 23 verse 12, we do want to look at that verse. I know I got ahead of myself, but that's all right. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all good. Job 23, verse 12. Notice what he says. I have not gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed and treasured the words of his mouth more than what? More than my necessary food. Now, that word esteemed there in the Hebrew literally means to hide. It means to hoard. It means to store. It means to lay up. We could say it this way, can the word. Can the word. How many have ever canned vegetables before? We got any southerners in the house? You know, Brenda grew up on a farm down in Oklahoma, and I had the privilege of visiting that farmhouse many times before I was married to her, and then, of course, after I was married. And I always looked forward to going down there because they had pickled beets, they had pickles, they had canned okra, they had canned green beans, they even had canned peaches for, what's that dish called? Peach cobbler. Peach cobbler, Yeah. And so they would be faithful. Anybody getting hungry yet? I'm hungry for the word. How about you? Oh, my goodness. So I'd go down there and I would just feast on all these canned goods. Why would they can it? They would can it so it would be there when they needed it. Why do we hoard up the word? Why do we store the word? Why do we hide the word in our heart? We hide the word in our heart so that when it's needed, it will be there. One of the worst things that we can do is ignore our daily word, ignore our daily confessions, ignore our daily time in prayer and in praise. And then all of a sudden, when an emergency rises up, when all of a sudden, when we need that word to be ready to deliver us, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, we are kind of in a quandary and we're knowing, not knowing what to do. Now, that's where the mercy of God comes in. I said, that's where the mercy of God comes in. But I'm telling you, God's best is for you to be full. God's best is for you to stay full. Because it is true that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. 
If you will feed your spirit faith when you don't need it, your spirit will feed your mouth faith when you do need it. I'm going to say that again. If you will feed your spirit faith when you don't need it, your spirit will feed your mouth faith when you do need it. Amen. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth is going to speak. The test comes, but you all of a sudden say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. The lack may come, but out of your spirit, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth is going to speak. To get a withdrawal from Bank of America where I bank? No deposit? No deposit spiritually. No withdrawal. What are you depositing in your heart daily? What are you saying daily about your life? What kind of things are you putting in your spirit? What are you feeding on? For what you feed on is what you will become. How you think will determine the level of life that you will live. What are you putting in there? So he says, well, you know, Pastor Mark, this is great. You know, this is a wonderful sermon and everything. But, you know, why don't you preach on something different? Why, are you under conviction? <laughs> oh, no, this is, this, is, this is good. This is really good message. And, but you don't understand. I, uh, I wake up at 3 in the morning. I have to drive a couple hours. And I have to go to be at work at 7. I work till 3. And then I drive two more hours. I just don't have time to be in the Word. Now, just wait a minute. You don't have time to be in the Word. Do you have a CD player in your automobile? Somebody says, I don't have a new car. Do you have a cassette player? Do you have something that you can get the word on and play the word to you while you drive on your break rather than listening to the oldies all morning? Or rather than listening to CBS or ABC or one of those ungodly deals out there, just giving you bad news. Listen, folks, there's more good news available to you than you think. Amen? Don't buy into the lie that you don't have time to be in the Word. Let me say it this way. You don't have time not to be in the Word. Well, you know, I... I don't know. I know you talk a lot about getting healing scriptures in you. I believe we ought to know healing scriptures. Why should we know healing scriptures? Why? Because he said in his word that his word, when we find his word, is life to us that find them and it's medicine to all our flesh. I believe we ought to know at least 10 healing scriptures. And it's something that we should be meditating on on a regular basis. Can that word in your heart? Well, I don't know, Pastor. That, that seems like it's a little extreme. Yeah, it is extreme. But you can be extremely healed. You can be extremely prosperous. You can be... Well, I don't know, Pastor. I, I, don't, I don't like all this fanatical stuff. Why not? 
I drove to work today. I drove to church today. And down 880, I saw three, four trucks with flags all dressed up with Raiders flags. I mean, that, that was like 845. The game's at 105. You understand what I'm saying? You get what I mean? And people probably camped out overnight there to get the best place on the parking lot so that they can cook up their food. Now, would you not say that they might be Raiders fanatics? Now, I'm not against the Raiders. I'm not against the Niners. I'm sure enough not against those Golden State Warriors. I'm not against any of that. What I'm for is, is being a Jesus fan. Because Jesus, in fact, did more than win the Super Bowl. Jesus, in fact, did more than win the NBA championship. Jesus did more than win the MLB World Series. He did more than win the World Soccer Cup. Come on, somebody. He died. He rose triumphantly over death, hell, and the grave. And I'm here to shout about it. I am a fanatic. I'm a fanatic. I was extremely addicted. Now I'm extremely saved. I was extremely full of the devil. Now I'm extremely filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Come on. There's nothing wrong with you being extreme with God. Extremely saved. Filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with the goodness of God. Blessed to be a blessing. Enjoying life to the full. Well, but I don't have time to read healing scriptures. Well, do you have time to sit in the emergency for four or five hours? Listen, I I sat in the emergency one time for almost three hours. I needed to have my head examined. I did. I really needed to have my head examined. Because I was out golfing with George Amaral. And we hit our tee shots. And Ronnie and George and I are sitting there in our cart. And a guy couldn't wait to tee off. Well, his ball met my head. You should have seen George go after that guy. I said, it's okay, George. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But I literally needed my head examined. I had out-of-town guests at my house, and they said the next day I was kind of crossing my eyes while I was preaching. But my point is that, what is your point? (laughs) You're not going to get three points in a poem. (laughs) You're going to get several points. My point is this. I waited three hours to be seen, and I won't say the name of the medical provider, but they're good. But they couldn't get to me. Finally, I got up, and I went home, and I said, that's enough. I'm not waiting any longer. Thank you, Lord, that you're my healer. But I spent most of my day in the emergency room. And a lot of people spend a lot of time under doctor's care. And I'm not against doctor's care because I've been under it myself. And I've been greatly helped by doctors. But my point is this. Our doctors are not our source. 
doctors are merely a channel through which our source will flow through. What we should be doing is feeding on scriptures from the great physician. Amen. And if we need a doctor, we go to it. But all the time, our eyes are on him and we let God be God. Amen. And his enemies be scattered out of our lives. Oh, yeah. You've got time to be in the word. You've got time to be in the word. You've got time to be in church more than once every five weeks. I don't think I can get a witness on that. Let's move right along. I'm just having fun. Can the word. Preserve it. Down on the inside of your heart. When you need it, it'll be there. The psalmist said, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The message says, your words are so choice, so tasty, I prefer them to the best home cooking. The best home cooking. Now here's a scripture I want us to meditate on here just for a few moments. How many of you got a few more minutes for me today? Look at Job 34 verse 3. And we're going to look at the amplified version. This is a very, very interesting verse of scripture. Job 34 and verse 3. It says, the ear tries words. Now that word try there, as we, as we get it up, Job 34, verse 3 in the Amplified. The word try there, for the ear tries words. That word tries there is tastes or distinguishes. The ear hears words. It, it tastes them. It, it distinguishes them. Just as a palate tastes food. How many of you have a good palate? I have a good palate. And I can tell you right away whether that food is good or whether that food is not so good. And you can do the same thing. Now, another translation says this. We can choose the sounds we want to listen to and we can choose the taste that we want in food. Still another translation says... For the ear assesses, tastes, distinguishes words as the mouth tastes food. Now here's what Jesus said. Take heed what you hear. He also said, take heed how you hear. So what we hear then must be distinguished. What we are hearing must be tasted. We need to determine whether what we are hearing lines up with the Bible or is it just some unsound doctrine that's flowing through the body of Christ that really doesn't feed people, but in the long run hurts people. It's important, guys, that we study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman or a workwoman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And some false doctrine always has a little bit of truth in it. I mean, if you're going to poison a dog, you don't just put poison on a plate. You put something attractive there along with the poison to poison. Satan is the author of half-truths. That's why it's important for us to feed on Jesus who is the living bread so that we can differentiate and have our senses 
trained to discern between good and evil. Come on, somebody. And so there is a distinguishing. There is something that must take place in our hearts. Now, how many of you have noticed that natural babies are not very discerning? I know you're laughing. Why? Because they don't and can't distinguish what's good or bad for them. A baby seems to think that everything they get their hands on belongs in their mouth. Perhaps you've seen a newborn babe. As he crawls down the floor or on the floor, he sees a screw and he puts it in his mouth. Sees a a spoon, it goes in the mouth. Sees a spider, goes in the mouth. Why? Babies are ignorant of these things. They don't know what should go in their mouths and what shouldn't. And unfortunately, babies have died as a result of putting the wrong things in their mouth. And a lot of babies in Christ have also been greatly hindered by spiritual growth by being in and around people whose motivations, quite frankly, aren't for them, but rather for themselves. False doctrine is something that we need to be on the watch for. We need to make sure that we're discerning and that we are distinguishing very carefully what is right and what is wrong. Now, I don't remember this because I was a baby. I was one of those babies who thought everything was for my mouth. I'm told by my mom and dad that as a baby, I ate rat poison. Guess what? I'm not a rat. I'm still alive. What am I getting at? The same thing is true spiritually. We need to be careful about what goes into our spiritual mouths. We need to be as careful about what we listen to and who we listen to and what we read and who we read after. We need to be as careful about that as what we put into our bodies physically. Amen? And you'll just know in your spirit. You know, the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. God places on the inside of every man or every woman of God an inner knowing. A knowing what's right. A knowing what's not right. We are able to distinguish between good and bad. Say it with me. Jesus Jesus is good. good. He is the living bread. Thank you for the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name. What else do we get from the word of God? How many of you know that in your lap is no ordinary book. This word right here is alive. It is full of power. And you and I draw great strength from the word of God. Whether you realize it or not, you're getting a good transfusion. You're getting an infusion of the word right now. You're being strengthened by the word that's going forth. Amen. The psalmist said this, raise me up and strengthen me according to the promises of your word. In Jeremiah 15 and verse 16, turn there quickly. In Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. Hallelujah. He said, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy words were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. In other words, Jeremiah said, when I found the word, I ate it. And here's what happened. I got blessed. Not only did I get blessed, but my joy level came way up. Amen? 
If your joy level is not coming up by what you're hearing, I'd check out very carefully, what am I hearing? Because the word of God will always set you free. It will never put you in bondage. It will never condemn you. It will never put you down. The word of the Lord will lift you. The word of the Lord will inform you. And the word of the Lord will always inspire you. Amen. Amen. And so Jeremiah got blessed by what he found and by the word that he had eaten. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord, what is it? Come on, somebody. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The message says this. When your words showed up, I ate them. I swallowed them whole. He says, what a feast. What delight I am taking in being yours. Acts says it like this. He said, the word of his grace will build you up and it will give you an inheritance. Look up here and say this with me. I have an inheritance. How many of you, if someone left you something, a parent or a friend, and the lawyer called you and asked you to come for the reading of the will or the reading of the trust, how many of you would show up for that meeting? Not all of you? Are you kidding? Can I ask that one more time? If you knew you were going to get a significant amount of money or a significant blessing... And a lawyer called you to read the will or lead the, read the trust. Would you show up? Yes. So I guess some of you just don't care. And you know what? You know what? The truth of the matter is that's happening spiritually. That's just a great illustration of what's happening in the body of Christ. There is this rich. There is this full inheritance. But people are not showing up. For the reading of the will. They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what they have in Christ. They don't know what they can do in Christ. It's all a part of your inheritance. But I want you to notice the first part of that verse. It says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. So knowing about your inheritance comes from the word. And unless we take time to feed on Jesus, the living bread, we'll never know what belongs to us. Amen. And then there's people who say, well, it just must not be the will of God. No, the Word of God is the will of God. He's no respecter of persons. Every one of you have an inheritance. Say it with me. Thank you, Lord. I have an inheritance. And I'm going to receive it every day of my life. In closing, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. I could tell that went over like a lead balloon. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. For you that don't know your inheritance, it's there for you. God loves you. Open this. Find out about it. Believe it. Confess it. Declare it. Everyone say three times, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine mine right now. In closing, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. Glory to God. Well, I've done it again. I preached myself happy. Woo, hallelujah. I mean, it's such a pleasure to preach to you. I get to preach all day to you. 
Now, by all day, I mean for about 40 minutes. But I'll take the 40. Glory to God. Amen. It's a blessing to be able to preach to people that want to hear the word. Now, let me just unpack this for you real quickly. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is talking to his son Timothy. And he's warning him about some things that in the last days, he said, some shall depart from the faith. And he said, here's what's going to happen. They'll give heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of devils. And then he warns them what to stay away from. He says, now stay away from people that try to, 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 to uh, you know, preach a lot of things about you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't eat this and you shouldn't eat that and you shouldn't marry this and you shouldn't, you know. Just don't pay attention to all that stuff. It's not about diets, amen? It's not about whether you get married or don't get married. If you want to get married, I got a word for you. Get married. Just make sure you marry the right person. And the right sex. Amen. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Amen. You want to get married? Get married. But make sure you get a person that loves living bread. Amen. Make sure you marry a person that believes the same way you do. And before you get married, talk about money. And show enough, talk about sex. Because you're going to have some sex when you get married. Yeah. Talk about it. Now, don't do it yet, but talk about it. Right. I know, I know I'm preaching good now. That's what Brother Hagin said. He said, most marriages fail because of three things. They fail to talk about love, children, money, and sex. They fail to talk about those things. And then they think all of a sudden when you say, I do, all the magic potion comes into being. Have you found out that ain't true? No, when you get married... How many of you know in the flesh you're going to have some trouble? You're going to have some trouble in the flesh. As a husband and as a wife, you're going to have some trouble. That's why if you can clear up the brush ahead of time. Come on, I know. If you can clear up the brush ahead of time and talk about some of these things. You don't want to marry a girl that doesn't want to have kids if you want to have kids. You don't want to say, I do, and say, okay, it's time to have some children. She said, no, I don't want to have any children. you got a problem there. You don't want to marry a guy that wants to live off your salary. Somebody throw their shoe at me. I know I'm preaching good. <laughs> Woo. Well, I, I honey, I, I, I thought I thought you were gonna keep your job. Oh no, baby, you make enough. <laughs> Woo. 
what, 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 what you going to do all day? Well, watch television and drink beer. No, no, you don't want an old gook like that. Amen. Now, we're going into extra innings, but I think it's okay. You don't want somebody that's going to the altar and pretend they get saved just to get you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Pastor, have you seen some of that? Listen, in 40 years of full-time ministry, there's not a lot we haven't seen. Now, sometimes something new comes down and you think, well, my Lord Jesus, help us, Lord. You want to be sure-footed. You want to be sure-footed in your beliefs. You do not want to be a tongue talker and your mate be just so against divine healing and tongue talking and laying hands. That's misery. Make sure in premarital counseling or premarital spiritual guidance that you clear the brush, that you take care of some of these things. Because the enemy's out there. And he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And one of his primary targets today is Christian marriages. They say that the divorce rate, and I'm not condemning anyone that's been divorced. There's mercy and there's grace for people. Amen? But they say that the divorce rate is almost as high as the divorce rate in the world. For Christians. Come on, somebody. We are living in this world, but we're not of this world. And Jesus has given us the living bread to guide us while we're in this world so that we can live right. Do it right. Come on, somebody. And live as more than conquerors through him that loved us. Somebody says, what does that have to do with Jesus being our living bread? The fact of the matter is this. This word is life. And you will find answers in the Bible. Jesus, the living bread, will show you and teach you how to be a good husband, a good wife, a good Christian, a good servant. Amen. The Bible tells us, Paul's telling Timothy, watch out for all that stuff. He says, I want you to remind people of that. And if you will remind people of these things, you're a good minister. And here's what will happen. You will be nourished up in the words of faith. Look at that statement. Say it with me. Nourished up in the words of faith. And what kind of doctrine? William says you will feed your soul on the truths of faith. Barry says nurturing on the message of faith. The 20th New Century translation says you will be sustained by the precepts of the faith and of good teaching. Feed yourself spiritually on the words of faith and of the true teaching which you have followed. Jesus is our living bread. Stand up everybody and let's pray. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands and let's lift our voice as Pastor Tom comes. We magnify you, Lord. Glorify you. Just stir yourself up a little bit. Pray just a little bit right now. Oh, brekiste mandai. Mezele frotayene. Aandolo brokustele vrede ma. 
Father, we make a commitment. Put your hand over your heart and pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I commit today to you, to Jesus. You are my living bread. And I choose to live by it. And so therefore, I shall be sustained and upheld by your word. I pray the eyes of my heart would see all I need to see. Help me, Lord, to be everything that you called me to be. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And it is a light under my path. I commit this day, September 17th, 2017, at 12.37 p.m., I commit myself to the word of your grace, which strengthens me and gives me an inheritance. Hallelujah. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I have an inheritance. I have an inheritance. I have an inheritance. I have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. We have a inheritance. We have a God. We have living bread. The word of God is alive. Hallelujah. Amen. Now as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. In just a moment, we'll be on our way and we can go get that lunch that I preached about. But before we do, I want to invite people to the altar this morning that are questioning whether or not they're saved or not. I want to invite people to the altar today that would say, Pastor, I grew up in a Christian home. I attended church as a little boy or a little girl. But I'm not sure of my salvation. I don't know. I'm not sure whether I'm saved or not. How many of you know you can read the Bible and not be saved? I was down at Pier 39 one day and a guy was quoting scriptures that was rolling out of his lips like memorization, but he wasn't saved. It's not reading about Jesus that gets you saved. It's allowing Jesus to come into your heart that gets you saved. Amen. So in my heart today, I want to pray for those who like to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm going to pray for all of you at one time this morning. I'm going to pray and say, Lord, should there be a man, a woman, a boy or a girl here today that has not made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life, today is the day of salvation. With now faith is, you can plug into the salvation power that's everywhere present in this room. You hear this morning and say, I'm not sure, Pastor, but I want to know. I want to have a no-so salvation. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, folks that want prayer in this area for salvation, to get right with God if you've not been right with God, to renew your dedication to the Lord, or to just know for sure that you are saved. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm going to ask all of you to raise your hand at one time, and we're going to pray. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I want those that want prayer to raise their hands. One, two, three. Three, go ahead, raise your hand all over this auditorium. Say yes, 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 yes.